listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Do you ever lose customers? Would you like to learn how to create a customer experience that causes them to continue working with you instead of leaving? After today's masterclass episode, you'll be equipped to retain more customers and turn them into loyal fans for life. Today's guest is the leading expert in customer experience and the author of Never Lose a Customer Again, Joey Coleman. Joey is going to share the eight phases of customer experience with us today. By the end of this episode, you'll have everything you need to not only be able to keep your customers, but also ensure that they have an incredible experience along the way. So get ready to never lose a customer again. Here is my conversation with Joey Coleman. Thank you for joining us on the Creating a Brand podcast today. Oh, Alex, thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everybody who's listening in. I really appreciate your time. Today, we're going to go through all eight phases of the customer experience from your book, Never Lose a Customer Again. And I have to say, I don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to make it happen, though, because I believe this is such a valuable framework for keeping your customers and even turning them into lifelong fans. So, Joey, what do you think? Are we going to be able to make it happen? I think we can make it happen. We'll do a little bit of rapid fire style and I'm happy to do it. You take me wherever you like and we'll we'll make sure we get through all eight of them. For sure. I do appreciate your enthusiasm. Uh, now, before we dive in, I want to say thank you for this book. One, it's one of the easiest reads I've ever come across. I appreciate the the simple language that you wrote it in. And also, it gave me a really good understanding of a customer's journey. So I want to say thank you again for putting this together. It's truly a masterpiece. Well, thank you, Alex. I really appreciate those kind words. Yeah, it was actually one of my goals. I'm a big believer that if you're going to invest time uh, reading a book, the goal should be to create a page turner, if at all possible, right? And to take people from one process to the next. I've got kind of a weird background. I'm a combination of somebody who was a criminal defense lawyer and kind of came up in that left brain side of the world, but who also ran an ad agency for almost 20 years. So the right brain side of the world, the creative side. And I tried to meld those two and uh, let the stories of my clients and the case studies in the book, there's 46 of them, kind of lead the reader through a series of stories that hopefully reinforce those eight phases that you hinted at earlier. Man, I have to say that you've had some interesting choices in your career path, definitely two different directions, but seems to have served you well and brought you to where you are today. So that's great to see. Well, I appreciate that. Now, for sake of time, I'd like to go ahead and transition into our topic for today, starting with something that I've heard you say before. The future of business is human to human. Can you explain what this concept means to the audience today? Absolutely. See, I think a lot of folks in business today think of their business as either B2B or B2C. We hear those acronyms thrown around willy-nilly, you know, are you a business serving other businesses? Are you a business serving consumers? I believe that we need to eliminate those modalities and silos from our thinking. The fact of the matter is we're all in the H to H business. That is the human to human. And whether the human who's buying your product or service is buying for their personal use or consumption or for the a business use use or consumption. The reality is it's a human being. I think the B2B, B2C distinction, while certainly uh, useful in some contexts, has a downside or a shadow side to it that is significant. And that shadow side is, especially in a B2B context, 
it removes the human condition from the conversation. It makes us operate in a much less personalized, much less customized fashion. And as a result, I think business suffers. So what I try to get people to do is recognize that regardless of the industry you're in, whether you're online or offline, whether you're selling domestic or international, whether you're selling a product or a service, your customers are all the same. They're human beings. And for the last 20 plus years, I've been a student of the human condition. Why do people do the things that they do? And what can we do to influence or persuade or convince them to do the things we'd like them to do? This actually reminds me of something you said at the beginning of the book where you wrote, if we never want to lose a customer again, we need to meet our customers, whoever they are, where they are in their emotional journey. When you think business to business, you don't think emotional journey. It's only when you start thinking human to human that the emotions come into play. So for all the listeners today, we can't just think about it as another transaction. We have to think about the human being on the other side of what we're offering. What's, what's funny is, and I know a lot of the, the listeners are earlier in their entrepreneurial journey, usually entrepreneurs who are just starting out, you, you really don't have to spend a lot of time convincing them of this. And the reason is they only have a handful of clients. Right? right when you have when you have one or two customers you care for them like crazy you hold them in the palm of your hand you're constantly checking in you're making sure you're delivering incredible value the challenge is as we grow we eventually reach a point where we might not know all of our customers names or we have staff that's helping to take care of our customers and we're more removed for the from those in-person personalized interactions. The reason I think it's important to keep coming back to the emotional journey the customer is on is because business by its very nature defaults towards transactional interactions, systems, processes. What are we selling to them? How are we delivering that? What are we going to sell to them next? As opposed to where are they in the journey of interacting with us? And what can we do to make sure that we're acknowledging that and then giving them what they need at this moment in their journey? This is such a powerful way to view your customers. To the Creating Brand listeners today, if you only have that one or two customers, it's a great place to be and you can be holding them in your hand or feel like you are, but your business is going to grow at some point. And that's why planning ahead and implementing these eight phases that we're going to talk about today will help your customers and future customers still feel like they're being held in your hands, if you will. Uh, now, before we get into these eight phases, Joey, you talk about how we only have 100 days to get this right. Can you quickly explain this to us today? Yes. So the research on this is pretty staggering. When I was writing the book and even before that, I looked at customer defection. That is the customers who quit doing business with you because there's a lot of folks that are uh, focused and, and rightfully so on marketing and sales. How do we get new customers? But there are many businesses that aren't paying attention to the customers that are running out the back door as quickly as they bring them in. And what we found is across all industries around the world, an average of customers somewhere between 20 and 70 percent decide to stop doing business with you before the 100 day anniversary. 20 to 70 percent wow. in banking it's 32 percent in cell phones it's 21 percent restaurants are somewhere between 50 and 80 percent uh you know auto mechanics are 68 percent software as a service is 30 percent per month i mean these numbers are absolutely devastating 
and yet no one's talking about it. You know, if you were to go on Amazon and search for sales books and marketing books and add up the number of hits you get, you get about 1.3 million books that have been written on how to get a customer. But if you were to search customer, uh, customer retention, customer experience, account management, relationship management, all the things that deal with what happens after someone becomes a customer, you get barely 30,000 books which means for every 43 books that have been written about how to get a customer, one book has been written about how to keep a customer. This is, this is insane to me. And it was such an eye-opening experience in my own life and in my own business. I was helping a client. We developed this whole, as I mentioned earlier, I ran an ad agency. We developed this entire campaign for them and we were driving a ton of new customers. But when I checked in three months later, their overall revenues hadn't increased nearly as much as they should have. And when we dove into the numbers, what we realized is, yes, we were racing them in the front door like crazy, but they were running out the back door just as fast. And that's really what started me on this goal of, could I design a system and a methodology and a philosophy for keeping customers, for properly onboarding customers in that first 100-day time period, which is so crucial to make sure they keep with you long-term. The last thing I'll say about the research is we also found that if on day 101, so 101 days after they sign the contract and officially become a customer or buy your product and officially become a customer, if they feel that the relationship is fantastic, if they're feeling good about where the relationship is, the typical customer across all industries will stay with you for five years. Folks, I'm not asking you to sprint all day, every day. I'm not asking you to, you know, oh, you've got to talk to every single customer every day for the entire relationship. I'm just asking you to establish a foundation in the first 100 days that will allow you to make the karmic bank deposits, right? The deposits into the karmic bank account that will allow you to weather the storm long-term and continue to build the foundation for a long-term interaction. Joey, I'm so glad you covered this point because I find that so many of us have this mentality of we just need to get more customers, especially when we're first getting started. It's like a one-track mind. We're like more customers, more customers, more customers. But the problem is if we're losing up to 80% of those in the first 100 days, it doesn't matter how many customers you're getting. I mean, I guess unless you're getting an unbelievable amount of customers, right? right. Well, eventually you run out of customers. I don't care. Even if you're getting a ton, you eventually run out, right? right and true. I think the problem is it used to be when we lived in small towns and you only did business with people who lived within 20 miles of where you lived or where your office was. You knew you had to take care of them because you couldn't burn the bridges. There weren't that many people. Right. When we started serving online, everybody's like, oh, the world is now 7 billion people that could be <laughs> customers. And what it's done is it's conditioned us from a mindset that if we don't take care of this one, it doesn't really matter because we'll just find another one. And the reality is that's not how humans work. That's not how business works. And it's certainly not how it's going to work in 2020 and beyond. Customers are paying a lot more attention to the experiences they're having, and they are expecting the brands they interact with to deliver consistent, remarkable interactions for the entire life cycle of the relationship, not just, you know, on the good days. No pressure from the expectation that customers have in today's world, right? These are some powerful yes. points that you're sharing. And now I'd like to transition into how we can keep our customers by understanding and responding to the eight phases of the customer experience journey. 
creating a brand, I hope that you're not in the car right now because you are going to want to take some notes on this. This is the best information you're going to hear on customer experience. With that said, Joey, are you ready to dive into these eight phases of customer experience with us? I am. Let's do it. Perfect. Can you provide a brief overview of each of the eight phases and then we'll jump into each in more detail? Absolutely. So each of the eight phases, so that people know, starts with the letter A. And the idea here is if you get all of these phases right, it's like your customer's giving you straight A's on the report card. You're doing a great job. Phase one begins with the assess phase. Okay. This is when a prospect is considering whether or not they want to do business with you. In common parlance, we call this marketing and sales. We then go to phase two, the admit phase. This is day one in the first hundred days journey. On day one, the admit phase, the prospect acknowledges that they have a problem or a need that they believe you can help them with. They sign on the dotted line, they hand over their hard-earned cash, they transition from being a prospect to being an actual customer. Almost immediately after doing that, they move into phase three, the affirm phase. This is when your customer starts to feel buyer's remorse for the purchase decision that they just made. We've all heard of buyer's remorse, but yet very few businesses have a system in their and a process in place to address the buyer's remorse that we know every customer is going to feel for every purchase. We then come to phase four, the activate phase. The activate phase is the first real moment of truth. If you're selling a product, it's when they receive your product and they open it up and are going to use it for the first time. If you're selling a service, this could be the kickoff meeting or when you first bring them in for an appointment. In the activate phase, you want to energize the relationship as you formally start to work together. You want the customer to know that doing business with you is going to be unlike any other experience they've ever had. We then move into phase five, the acclimate phase. Now, I will tell you folks, in the acclimate phase, this is where most businesses start to go off the rails. In the acclimate phase, your goal is to help the customer get familiar with your way of doing business. See, you've done this dozens of times, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. But to a new customer, they've never been through your process before. They have no idea what comes next. You need to hold their hands and help navigate them from one internal milestone to the next so you can walk them through either using your product or availing themselves of your service. We then come to phase six, the accomplish phase. This is when the customer achieves the goal that they had when they originally decided to do business with you back when they were a prospect. Every prospect is trying to accomplish a goal. And when they sign on the dotted line and they become a customer of yours, it's because they have an expectation that they will be able to accomplish that goal. If you don't track that so that you can celebrate with them when they actually achieve it, the likelihood of them remembering and or celebrating on their own is very slim. And if we don't get our customer to phase six, the accomplish phase, there is no hope of getting them to the last two phases. What are the last two phases? Well, phase seven, the adopt phase, is when the customer becomes loyal to you and your brand. They're not going anywhere else. They're not going to push back on price. They're not going to shop and kick tires with other folks. No, they are committed to doing business with you. And if, and only if, they've gone through all seven of these phases, do we reach phase eight, the holy grail the advocate phase, where the customer becomes a raving fan, singing your praises far and wide and referring their friends and colleagues to you. 
if you walk them through each of the eight phases, that's how you get to a customer for life. Now, let me be abundantly clear. Not every customer will become an advocate, but every customer has the potential to become an adopter. Phase seven, adopt your brand if you've walked them through the previous phases. So once again, the eight A's of customer experience are phase one, assess, phase two, admit, phase three, affirm, phase four, activate, phase five, acclimate, phase six, accomplish, phase seven, adopt, and phase eight, advocate. I'm excited to hear you expand on each of these, but first, just to clarify, do all eight phases apply to and work for every business? Well, this only works if your business sells to humans. If your business doesn't sell to humans, this doesn't apply. And if that's the case, please reach out to me because I would love to learn more about your business. Um, here's the thing. All human, this, what we're tracking here is the emotional journey of the customer. We're not tracking your internal business operations. In fact, we want to map your internal business operations to the emotional journey of the customer so that we're meeting them where they're at, which you alluded to earlier, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these phases apply. Now, when you're just starting out, you probably are not spending a lot of time thinking about, well, what am I going to do if somebody refers me new business? Like that's a quality situation. If that happens, it'll be amazing. Right now I have one client. I, I'm not worried about a referral program just yet. But what I want you to do is to map and consider the eight phases of your customer journey early on, because the sooner you implement these systems and this type of thinking into your business, the better you'll be able to serve your customers, the faster you'll be able to grow, the longer you'll be able to retain relationships. As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to one 299 8992. I'll respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to 1-904-299-8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. All right, Joey and creating a brand. The time has come. Let's start our deep dive into the eight phases of customer experience, beginning, of course, with phase one, which is assess. This is when customers are asking, can this company or person solve my problem? Am I right in saying this? Absolutely. And, and here's the challenge. Most businesses, most business owners, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include some sweeping stereotypes here, but listeners, you see if this applies to you. Most people get into business because they're super excited about a specific product or a specific service, right? I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawn care professional. I want to, you know, uh, start my own business selling, uh, you know, portable water containers, you know, water bottles or whatever it may be. They go into it because they have a big passion for this. And as a result, they have a tendency in their marketing materials to over-index or overemphasize the features of their product or service. Well, here's what you get. You get this and you get this and you get that. Or look at all this cool tech we've involved in our design. Or look at these capabilities we have. I get that desire. But 
very few people wake up in the morning saying, oh my gosh, I wish I had a water bottle that was built with NASA grade polymers that were sustainable in nature, that had been crafted because somebody had once worked for NASA and had left there because they were bored and partnered up with their college roommate to create a less than $20 water bottle that could be put on a spaceship and sent to Mars. I get that that's part of your story. I get that you're excited about it, but no one ever had that thought. The thought they had was, huh, I want to buy less plastic bottles. I should get a reusable water bottle. Or my lawn looks terrible. I need to get somebody to come in here and mow it on a regular basis. Or I find myself in a predicament. I need a lawyer who can look out for me. They come from a place of want and need and pain. What is the scenario in their life that they don't like that they want to fix? Or what is the scenario in their life that they want more of? In the assess phase, we should be talking about what they're going to get, not what we're going to do. We need to talk about what we're going to do, of course, but we don't want to lead with that. We want to lead with the benefits instead of leading with the features. We want to lead with the outcomes. And here's the thing. When, you're, when your customers or your prospects are comparing you to the competition, they want to know what doing business with you is going to be like. So in the assess phase, the secret is to give them a preview of the experience. If you're super attentive when you're dealing with your customers, you want to be super attentive of your prospects. If you do lots of personal touch and high customization with them once they become a client, you want to do that with your prospects. You want to preview the type of emotional interaction and emotional feelings they're going to have once they become a customer before they become a customer as a way of showcasing not only what you have to offer, but standing out from the competition. Here's how you can tell if you're doing this one right you transition straight into phase two, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. 100%. Yeah. Let's, let's be candid. If you're doing this right, you should not have a long sales process. Right. Your sales process should be pretty short. They should go, huh, I need that. Bye. Like all these people, I, I you know, I'll, I'll do, I do consulting projects with clients and I'll regularly ask them, you know, how long is your sales process? I was doing one this morning. We were talking about the sales process. I was like, how long is the sales process? And they go, well, it's anywhere from one week to five years. And I said, wow, that's really different. So I said, tell me about the one week people. And they described kind of what the scenario was. And I said, tell me about the five year people. And they're like, well, a lot of our people, we just have to drip and drip and keep getting in front of and eventually they buy. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in a bunch of those clients, right? I'm not interested in a stack of clients that I have to spend five years convincing you that we can move the dial and we can take action. I want the people who say, wow, Joey, I've got a problem. You can help me with it. Where do I sign on the dotted line? Oh, and by the way, then they say, how much does this cost? Mm -hmm. Right. They're excited about becoming a customer before they even know the cost of the item. So that's what I would suggest folks do in that assess phase is work on identifying what your target market really needs and speak in their language to make sure that you're giving them a preview of what doing business with you is going to be like. I'm telling you what, we could end this episode right here. That's fire. Thank you for sharing well, that. I appreciate that. Uh, now let's move into phase two. This is where the customer admits that you have the solution that they are looking for. 
So in the amid phase, in most businesses, this is actually pretty short. It's day one. It's less than a day. This is when they sign the contract or and or hand over their hard-earned cash. They officially transition from being a prospect to a customer. So some things you want to keep in mind here. How easy is it to become a customer? How easy is it to pay you? So, for example, when they sign a contract, is that a digital contract that they can just click a signature or do they have to print something out, sign it and fax it back to you? Is your contract written by a lawyer in 50 pages or is it a one pager that anybody can understand? When they pay you, do you accept credit cards? Do you accept checks? Do you accept wire transfers? Do you accept Bitcoin? Right. How easy have you made it for people to do business with you, to become a customer and to give you money? I think there's a huge opportunity for almost every business on the planet to explore the pain that they put customers through just to become customers. I don't know about you, Alex. I found myself in retail situations before where I'm like, can I just give you this money and get this thing? Because I want to leave your store right now. I don't understand why we've got so many upsells and all this difficulty. Is there a way that we can just make this fast? counter that with going into the Apple store. You go into the Apple store, what are you looking for? Oh, an iPhone. Do you know what model? Yes, 11, Pro, this functionality, great. Jan will bring it out right now. Less than a minute later, somebody walks out, hands you the phone and says, would you like to pay by credit card? Well, of course I would. It's 2020. Great. Can I have your credit card? Swipe right there. You're out. End of story. The Doing business with you should start out smooth and convenient and easy. Mm -hmm. And then that's setting the tone for what the rest of the relationship will be like. Ah, this is such a powerful point. If people can start to get this right, because the customer's already admitted that you have this solution that they're looking for, all you have to do now is make it easy for them. They want to buy it from you. Make it a very simple process for them. Such a powerful point here. But I have to say that this next one here is absolutely my favorite. It blew my mind when I first heard it, when I learned it. Changed the way I do business altogether. Phase three is a firm also known as the buyer's remorse phase. Yeah, so here's the crazy thing. In phase two, the admit phase, when we make the sale, as the business owners, as the entrepreneur, we're thrilled. We're celebrating. We're ringing right. bells. Somebody want a trip to Napa. Woohoo! There's going to be food on the table. We're going to be able to buy the pool, whatever it may be, your goals. You're seeing the dollar signs. You're feeling stoked. But the reality is on the customer side, they're doubting the decision they just made. Brain science shows us when we make a purchase, our brain floods with dopamine. We feel joy, euphoria, excitement. This is the product that's going to be the answer to my prayers. This is the service that's going to help me out. But almost as quickly as that dopamine fills our brain, it starts to recede. And as it recedes, a clock ticks faster and faster. And those feelings of joy, euphoria, and excitement are replaced by feelings of fear and doubt and uncertainty. What if this doesn't work out the way I had planned? What if the product is broken? Will I be able to get a refund? Will I be able to exchange it? What if the service, I pay them all this money and they don't deliver? How will I ever make this happen? You know, in a business setting, what if I made the decision to go with this vendor and it all goes in the toilet? Is my boss going to fire me for making the decision to go with this vendor? There's so much pressure on the purchase that is not acknowledged or addressed by the company selling you the product or service that that delta, that difference between our high emotional state that we just landed the new client and their state of fear and doubt and uncertainty about how this is going to work out. If we don't close that difference, if we don't close the gap in emotional state sooner rather than later, it only grows over time. 
And as I said earlier, we've all heard of this phrase, buyer's remorse. What most people don't realize is that the research shows every purchase produces some level of buyer's remorse, even buying a pack of gum, okay? Some level of buyer's remorse. Number two, the higher the dollar value of the purchase, the greater the buyer's remorse. Oh my goodness, you mean when I sell my big ticket items that are the ones I'm super excited about, the trough of their fear, doubt, and uncertainty is even further away from where I'm at? Yes, absolutely. And number three, if we don't actually put some time towards dealing with this buyer's remorse, we are on shaky ground emotionally for the rest of the relationship. So this stuff is real, it is significant, and I believe most businesses are missing two of the key phases. When, when I look at, when somebody asked me, Joey, when you look at all the eight phases, where business is struggling the most, they're struggling in two phases. Phase three, the affirm phase that we're just talking about, and phase five, the acclimate phase. Those are the two phases that most businesses struggle with. I actually immediately implemented this phase in a very tangible way after hearing it. As a matter of fact, for the audience today, if you're not a member of the Creating a Brand community yet, I encourage you to join and you'll see exactly how I implemented this phase directly into the onboarding process. Uh, Joey, we're on a roll here, so let's keep moving along. We're now at phase four, which is activate. Yeah, so the activate stage is that first real moment of truth. So if you sell a product, it's when they get the product in their hand, they uh, the unboxing experience, the opening experience, what was the delivery like? Are we able to get the product into their hand so they can start using it as quickly as possible? In a service type scenario, it's when you first start to deliver on the promise, whether that's the first appointment, the kickoff call, whatever it may be. What we want to do in this phase is set the tone that doing business with us is gonna be unlike any other business experience they've ever had. So you want to let your enthusiasm show. Now, I will tell you, most businesses are actually pretty okay or good at this activate stage. The problem is most businesses think that the activate stage is where their responsibility ends. And we're only halfway through the journey. You know, how often have you bought a product on Amazon or wherever, and the relationship with the person who created the product is over before it started. They're not in communication with you. They're not checking in. You know, and if we doubt the validity of this statement, I would ask you to just consider, do you have any clothes in your closet that you purchased but still have the tags on them? Or clothes that you purchased and you never worn? Or items that you ordered that are still in the packaging? Or things that you used once but never used again and now you have a negative feeling against the brand because it wasn't a useful product. The brand has no idea whether you used it or not. Why? Because they never took the time to ask. They never reached out and said, hey, how's it going? Hey, what'd you think of it? Hey, do you have any questions? Hey, I noticed you bought this thing that we have to activate online and it's been a week and you still haven't activated. Have you just been busy or are you not sure what to do next? Every business has a gap between when things start in the activate phase and when that person becomes a regular user or adopter. Your goal as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, should be to shrink the length of that gap, shrink the amount of time it takes to get someone from their first use to being a loyal user. Yeah, this is a really good point. I've actually seen this time and time again Sometimes customers just need a little bit of a push to use your product or service at its full potential. 
And when they become that loyal user that's actually using what you're providing to its full potential, that's when you start becoming a rock star at this customer experience thing. Uh, now I'm ready to transition into the longest section of your book. Yes. <laughs> phase five, which is the acclimate stage. Yeah. So the reason this is the longest section in the book is because depending on your business, the acclimate stage could be a couple days or it could be several months or maybe even years. Okay. Keep in mind the acclimate stage is all of the time between when they first do business with you and when they reach phase six, accomplish, when they accomplish that goal they originally had. One of my clients helps build runways for airports. Okay, the contracting process is normally two to five years long, and then the building process is normally a year. So from the time they first start talking about it till the time an airplane can land on that runway is anywhere from two to six years later. That's a long accomplished phase. That's a really long way away. What are you doing in the acclimate phase? What are you doing to hold their hand and help them know where they are right now? what they've already accomplished with you, and what they're going to be focused on next. Now, the big piece of pushback I get on this, Alex, all the time is people say to me, but Joey, you don't understand. I sent them a proposal that outlined the eight stages of our website build. I sent them a proposal that outlined the six steps of our landscape design. I sent them a proposal that said, hey, this may take longer than you think. Folks, you get stuff that you don't read all the time. Mm -hmm. You sign contracts that you don't read all the time. And I don't say that from a place of judgment. I say that from a place of empathy as a fellow human being. Think about the last time you rented a car. You're standing at the car rental place. They've got that little screen in front of you, and you're just clicking the box that says, I accept. You're not even reading what the screen says. You're like, I accept, I accept, I accept. Give me the keys because your goal is to drive. You don't realize you've just signed away all of your life rights if something goes wrong. Here's the thing. Your customers are exactly the same way. It's also the case, especially in a business sales setting, that the person who signs the contract is not the person who's going to use your product or service. So it may be the case that your end user never actually saw the document that listed out the steps in the process. And it's not that they refused to read it or they were ignorant or, you know, stupid or mean or anything pejorative or judgmental about them. They might not have ever seen it because they weren't part of the sales process. Here's my question. Think of your customers. If I were to call your customer right now and say, where are you in the process of your relationship with this brand and what's coming next? How many of your customers would immediately be able to answer me? My gut instinct is not as many as you think. There's a huge opportunity there to hold their hand and acclimate them. This concept of acclimation is perhaps one of the most challenging parts of the customer experience journey, but what you just shared definitely offered quite a bit of clarity so people could actually understand and, and be able to achieve this. So thank you for that. And now here we are at phase six, accomplish. Exactly. So the accomplished phase is a reminder is where the customer achieves the goal they had when they originally decided to do business with you. Now, there's a couple of challenges in the accomplished phase. Number one, many businesses misunderstand what the customer is trying to accomplish. Let's take a wedding dress as an example. If you make wedding dresses, you might have a belief that the goal the bride who's going to wear this dress is trying to accomplish is to buy the dress and wear it on their wedding day. 
and that the finish line is the wedding day where they wear the dress. Friends, I hate to break it to you. That is not the finish line. The finish line is when they get the photos back from the wedding and they feel that they look fabulous in the photos. See, we make it about our step in the process. In fact, most businesses think, well, the really the accomplished phase is when I sell you the dress and you walk out of the shop. My job's done here. No, your job is done when the customer achieves and accomplishes their goal. And by the way, we need to dive deeper and not just presume that we know what their goal is based on the type of product or service we're selling. If you're in landscaping, you know, the goal isn't to have a beautifully manicured lawn that looks fantastic. The goal is to have that lawn and be able to invite people over that see the lawn and say, my God, you have an amazing lawn. That's what they're trying to accomplish. So we want to check in regularly with our customers in the prospecting stage and through the relationship with us about what their goal is and how we're progressing towards that goal so that when it happens, we can celebrate with them. Let's go back to the wedding dress example. What I'd love to see wedding dress people do is say, reach out two weeks after the wedding, because you know when the wedding is, have that conversation. Hey, you're buying a dress. When's the wedding? Oh, the wedding is on July 4th. Oh, fantastic. Independence Day, red, white, and blue. You're going to be in white. Everyone else is going to be red and blue, I guess. No, that's not what we're going with. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what's going on here, but happy independence. I mean, happy commitment. I mean, just enjoy your wedding. Now, two weeks after, three weeks after the wedding, I would reach out to the bride and say, hey, I'd love to see a photo of you on that special day. There are very few brides on the planet that if they accomplished the goal and the wedding was a success and they felt good about it and they felt the dress looked good, they wouldn't happily share a photo with you. Then you have the opportunity to say, wow, this is amazing. Would you mind if I featured you on our website or in our marketing materials and showed them how beautiful you look? Worst case scenario is they say, yeah, that's not me. I don't want to do that. Okay, no problem. But still, you acknowledge that they accomplished the goal. And that tees you up to be able to ask for referrals. That tees you up for the long-term relationship. This actually reminds me of something that's always stuck with me that you wrote in the book. It's on page 197. And you said, the mere fact that your customer achieved their desired goal or result is worthy of noting and celebrating. When you discover that the actual goal of another human being has been achieved, you should celebrate it. Now I live by this, not just my business, but also my personal life as well. Alex, I, I, I so appreciate that. And I appreciate you calling out that specific quote. Here's the, here's the thing that I think is lying underneath that quote. The reason why it's worthy of celebration is because how often do you buy a product or a service that doesn't achieve your goal? Too often. You buy the thing all the time. It happens all the time. And so here's the thing. When it does work the way it's supposed to, that's not enough for you to be like, okay, we're good. We delivered on what we said we would. Like those are the Annie up chips to sit down at the table. Celebrating that though and acknowledging that with your customer reminds them that doing business with you is different because you get to the finish line. It sets you apart from all the other interactions they have where the promise isn't delivered on. The accomplished phase is kind of like the customer reaching the finish line of what you do. And if you do this properly, it actually leads straight into phase seven, which is adopt. Can you talk to us about this phase? I know that some people really get this wrong or at least out of order. Yeah. So the adopt phase, I think, is what most businesses are looking for. We're looking for those loyal adopters, those consistent customers that love us and love our work. The problem is we try to jump to that phase way too fast. 
we try to presume that, oh, well, you signed up with us. That means you love us, right? It's like, no, we went on a first date, dude. Okay. <laughs> I'm not ready to get married. We just were having early on interactions. The adopt phase, the great thing about the adopt phase is when it comes to your adopters, as a general rule, they will buy anything you offer because they trust you. Your brand has been established. Your reputation has been established. They know what the experience of working with you is like. And now when you try to turn around and sell them another product or another service or ask for a referral, they're happy to do it because the credibility is there. Kevin Kelly wrote a great article years ago called A Thousand True Fans, where he posits that if you have a thousand true fans or a thousand adopters, you have a multi-million dollar business. Because it will be the case that if those true fans, those are people who will buy anything you create, you can roll out new products year after year after year, and they will buy them for no other reason than you created them. I don't know about you. I know you're a big reader. I'm a big reader. There are a couple of authors that I will buy whatever book they write, no matter what the topic is. Like, I do not care. If Seth Godin has a book coming out, I'm going to read it. Right. Seth could decide to write a book on accounting, which I do not like, and I would buy it because I am a big fan of Seth's writing. Mike Michalowicz is another fantastic writer, especially for small business owners that are just getting started. Mike's a good buddy of mine. Every book that Mike writes, I buy instantly. The second he says, hey, I've got a new book coming out. I'm like, great, put me down. I'm buying it. I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> Think of what it would be like in your business if you had 10 of those adopters or a hundred or a thousand, your business just got a lot easier. And that's what we all want, getting business to become an easier process. And the best way to actually do this is devote energy to the first six phases of the customer journey. When you get the first six right, this seventh phase we're talking about right now, adopters just becomes more natural. It happens organically at times. And once your customers do reach the seventh phase, some will go on to the final stage, which is brand advocates or raving fans. Exactly. This is this is the pinnacle, right? This is the raving fan advocates, right? The people who are referring their friends and colleagues. I don't know about you, Alex. I have never met a business owner who said to me, Joey, I'm all good on referrals. I don't want any more. <laughs> right? right? It doesn't exist. We all would love more referrals. Why? Well, first of all, it usually means they're better qualified, pre-qualified. They already know kind of what the offerings and the price are. And a referral doesn't cost you anything to go get. You don't have to spend any marketing dollars, any sales dollars. These are the people that call up and say, hey, I love what you have. I want some of it. Where do I buy it? How do I buy it? Et cetera. This is what we're striving for. The crazy thing is most businesses want referrals, and yet they are horrible at asking for referrals, if they ask at all, and they ask at the wrong time. Too many businesses try to ask for referrals right after the purchase. And they've read some of these books that are like, oh, you want to talk to them when they're at an emotional high, right when they make the purchase. Well, you know that right after they make the purchase, they're actually not at an emotional high. They're at an emotional low. This is the worst time to ask for a referral because they've just spent their money and they have no idea if they're going to get value. Oh, you want to ask right after they accomplish. Well, that's a better way to do it, but you got to make sure that you're nuancing the message and what you're actually asking for. So in the advocate stage, we want to think about not only how do we get people to make referrals, but more importantly, when someone does make a referral to you, 
how do you treat them? Do you thank them? I had a situation with one of my clients recently where he referred a piece of business to another person that led to a million-dollar contract. It was a million-dollar referral. And the salesperson sent him a $10 Starbucks gift card. Oh, no. Okay? It would have been better to not send anything than to value a million-dollar piece of business at $10. Okay? Now, I'm not saying you've got to give someone 20%. I'm not saying you've got to give them a giant piece of the business. What I am saying is that the acknowledgement needs to be commensurate with the value of the referral. If someone's going to refer you a great piece of business, you want to significantly acknowledge it. If someone's going to refer again and again and again, you want to keep acknowledging. We want to reward the behavior that is being done because that's how we condition our customers to become long-term referral sources. Really, the best thing you can do at this phase is just find a way to get creative. If you can get into the heart of the human who is the customer and your advocate, just find a way to do something unique for them, something that makes them feel respected and that you care that they're part of what you're doing. Absolutely. And if I may give, do a quick example here, Alex, it's yeah. not about the amount of money you spend. It's about the thoughtfulness of the acknowledgement. So everybody who's listening, I'm going to ask you a question. I want to see if this applies to you. How many of you currently have, and Alex, if you're willing to role play along here, we'll do it with you. Yeah. Do you currently have in your home a thank you note that someone has written to you? I do. You do. Great. Have you had that thank you note for longer than one day? Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Out of curiosity, if it's not too personal, how long, when was that thank you note written to you? The one that you're thinking of? The one I'm thinking about came from my realtor and it was about three months ago. Three months ago. So here's the crazy thing. Alex got a thank you note from his realtor three months ago. He's already read the note. He knows what it says. And he still has the note. Why? Because in 2020 and beyond, we are dying for proof that we matter. We are dying for tangible evidence that we have had an impact on another person's life and or that they are appreciative for the involvement we've had with them. Folks, if you did nothing else from listening to this podcast, other than to go out and write a thank you note, it will change your business, it will change you, it will change the recipient's life. Here's the crazy thing. I know people who have dozens of thank you notes. I know people who cherish those notes. I know very few people who systematically write thank you notes on a regular basis. It's one little thing. It costs you all in less than $2 a note, including postage and the paper and everything else. You can do it for less than two bucks and it will move the dial, not only in the advocate phase, but you can plug this into the affirm phase. You could write a thank you note thanking them for the business. You could write a congratulations note when they accomplish their goal. You could write a thank you note for a referral. You can't ever send too many handwritten notes. Okay. I doubt you've ever said, gosh, getting a lot of handwritten notes from that person. This is getting annoying. I guarantee you've said that about emails. You might've even said that about text messages or voice messages. You haven't said that in the last 50 years about written communication. Why? Because it's become so rare. So few people make the time for it. 
I love the idea of handwritten notes because they're so personal. I mean, you really feel a connection to the person who wrote it for you. And also that just tends to make people happy. And that actually leads me to one final thought I want to share. And it's that happy customers make happy people. I believe that when each of us does our part to ensure that our customers have a great experience, we're actually helping make the world a happier place, which is better for us all. And Joey, I want to say thank you for being at the front lines of this by teaching people customer experience. And also thank you for being a guest today. Well, Alex, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you who are kind enough to listen in. Yeah, I, I believe it. I, you know, as you know, I conclude the book by talking about the fact that my goal is to raise the bar on customer experience globally. It's currently lying on the ground. Most people presume that the customer experience is going to be terrible. I think that's pathetic. I want it to be better. I want to raise the bar. And I appreciate everybody who was kind enough to listen in so that hopefully you got a couple ideas of how you can raise the bar for your customers. Because by the way, when you deliver a remarkable experience for your customers, they'll start to deliver remarkable experiences for their customers. They'll start to expect it from the other people they do business with, and all boats will rise together. Joey, I love that. And I think it's a great way to end today's episode, creating a brand. Let's make sure that we're all raising that bar of customer experience together. Joey, thanks again. I really appreciate you, man. Oh, it's my pleasure, Alex. Thanks so much for your time today. And thanks everyone for listening. We made it through all eight phases of the customer experience. Joey actually mentioned to me that he enjoyed recording this episode so much that he wanted me to share an exclusive resource with you. It's called the First 100 Days Starter Kit, which is a step-by-step -step guide that will help you implement everything that we talked about today. So be sure to download your copy of it. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And then as you're going through it, listen to the episode again. In addition, I have a question for you. Which of the eight phases stood out to you the most and how will you begin implementing them into your business? Please visit creatingabrand.com slash 062 to answer this question. Joey, thank you again for being a guest and helping us focus on creating better experiences for our customers. To learn more about Joey Coleman and to pick up a copy of Never Lose a Customer Again, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 062. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.